You're listening to the 12 Days of Crusaders 2020, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. This episode is sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment. Omaha Bound is your best choice for hardbinding those special comics in your collection. The guys over at Omaha Bound do only the best high-quality binding, and this might be the best part. They custom design every cover, so every single hardcover they design is unique. In short, when you get your comics hardbound with Omaha Bound, you'll know that you have a truly one-of-a-kind collection. In addition to binding, they also sell special trade collections of those hard-to-find comics. All of this is available on their website, which is omahabound.com. Treat yourself and those special comics right. Go to omahabound.com today. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Your next mini. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French hens, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. Can I have the next one? Uh-huh. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four colon birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Six bones up. You know what? Let's just not even go there. Hello and welcome to the sixth day of the 12 Days of Crusademus for 2020. Brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. The 12 Days of Crusademus is our gift to the podcast community to celebrate this holiday season. And we're celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past. Each of the 12 Days of Crusademus, we will bring you a hidden gem of a comic series, brought to you either by one of our Holly Jolly co-hosts or one of our podcast celebrity guests, until we get all the way to December 25th, Christmas Day. I'm your host for this sixth day of Crusademus, Jason Albrick, the Christmas Weasel. And here they are, decking those balls of holly. Joining me for today's unwrapping, it's the Longbox team, and we're going to start it off with the founder, Pat DJ Cristados. Merry Christmas, Pat. How are you today? Well, Malakalikimaka to you, Jason, as well. It's, uh, we're, today we're doing a little something festive. I decided that everybody wears some Hawaiian gear. Let's pretend it's a little summertime Christmas party going on here. So that's the words that we say here on the island. Medlikimaka. I like it. Yep. I like it. It's the hey. thing to say on this. Shaka, bro. Shaka. Uh, I don't know what that means. but I don't yeah. either, but I hear people say it all the time. <laughs> I want to know how long it took for Pat to get that pronunciation down. Oh, I, I know it. I sing it all the time. I think he started in Crusade Miss 2017 and just polished it up today. <laughs> <laughs> That's the high, 
we sing to you. Malakaliki makas the thing to sing. Yeah, yeah, see, I use it. So enjoy that uh, spiked punch that I have with her, everybody. Oh, I will. I will. And you know who else will? I'll bet my brother from my actual mother. Jared, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, would also like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. How are you today, Jared? It's the Nutcracker. I don't have any jokes for that, by the way. None. Hey, I got these. Got these Nutcrackers? That, that sounds painful. I don't get it. Anyway, I got a Christmas joke. What do you call a snowman with a six-pack? What do you call a snowman with a six-pack? An abdominal snowman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, I literally just Googled that, like, right before you handed it oh, over. No, I just, I just Googled a bad Christmas joke, and that's what I <laughs> oh, I like Now, Google really bad Christmas jokes. <laughs> so, I'm just going to wrap it up and hand it over to Delvin. <laughs> My brother from another mother, Delvin the Dark Web Williams, how are you on the sixth day of Crusaders? I'm doing very well, and so well, in fact, that I bought shares of stock for everyone to invest in as a thoughtful Dark Web. So here it is to Jared and, and Pat and, and Jason, a uh, million stocks each of... Um, Chuck E. Cheeks. Chuck ah, Cheeks. Topical joke. Topical joke. Where a kid can be a kid. Yeah. I mean, like, the, these thoughts are taken off. You know, I heard this on the dark. I heard good things. Yeah. Like, you guys should be good to go. You should be set. Hold on to those. They're just as good as money. You know, I heard that Chuck E. Cheeks has a rat problem. Just give it time. Yeah, those stocks will find a way. Just give them time. Time. (laughs) All right, all right. And also joining us around the fire with hot cocoa in hand is our special guest for this episode. You probably know them from their podcasts, including Married with Comics and The Rod Pod. It's John and Maggie. How's it going, John? How's it going, Maggie? Merry Christmas. Merry Crusade, Miss. Merry Crusade, Miss. Kaiban Beta Prime. Happy Crusade, Miss. Miss Mary. Merry Christmas, Crusade, Miss, from Kaiban Beta Prime. Yeah. Where we're working in a mine. For our robot overlords. Did you say overlords? No. Uh, I meant protectors. Protectors, yeah. That's a very niche joke. Hi, guys. We meet again, Albrechts. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And you know what? I have only one question for you. One question only. What do you have gift wrapped in that stocking? Well, as you heard the singing intro, today is six bones of... Skip it. Yeah. Which means we're unwrapping... Bone number 14 from Cartoon Books, published in 1994. Now, just for a brief history of that series and the creator, a Bones of 55-issue series. It ran from 1994 to 2004. It's a self-contained story. It's got a beginning, middle, and an end. And it was written, drawn, and lettered all by Jeff Smith using characters he'd been created throughout his life starting as early as age five. He self-published the series via his own company that he founded called Cartoon Studios until he took the series to Image for about a year before finishing the series at Cartoon Studios, which was an incredible achievement for a comic series considering it was published during the 90s speculation craze and a lot of creator-owned 
things were falling by the wayside because it was all about the big companies and the holographic foil companies. But yet this simple black and white comic managed to make it along. And it's basically a lot due to its quality. It, it was both a financial and critical success, uh, winning 10 Eisner Awards and 11 Harvey Awards. And Time Magazine named it one of the 10 best graphic novels of all time. I personally bumped that to uh, my top five. Some of the main reasons why I love this series are I like the dark whimsy of the story. You have what are basically cartoon characters interacting with medieval fantasy peasant people, and everyone sort of accepts this. It works. There's adventure, romance, magic, danger, dragons, baby possums, everything a good story needs to have. It tells a great story without having to sacrifice its innocence. It's scary, but it's not dark and gritty. Yeah, uh, Jeff Smith uh, said in an interview he'd set out to write a 1,300-page Harvey Banks' Uncle Scrooge comic, and that's pretty much exactly what he did. It's an incredible mix of dark fantasy and comedy in a way that you wouldn't think would work, but it works really, really well. It can switch from one mood to the other and back at a moment's notice and not take you out of the story at all. So have any of you guys read any Bone comics before? Uh, Jason, have you read any? No, this is the first one, actually. My kids read a bunch of it when they were younger and still living in the house with me. But, you know, I never picked one up. I guess I just never gravitated towards it. So this is the first one for me. Yeah. How about you, Pat? Have you read this before? I've heard it, but have never read it. So this is my first reading. Excellent. How about you, Mr. Yard Sale Artist? Jared, have you read this? Uh, I had a subscription to Bone Magazine, but it's not the same. Different. different. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually... I have the full compendium, but I stole it from my son's room. I had never read it until preparing for this show. That's the first issue I've read. Okay. Yeah, that is the best way to consume it, in my opinion, is the full compendium. And it's in black and white. He did get a deal where they republished them in color. If you can find some of those, they're really good. I mean, it, it works really great in black and white, I think, but the color really, really pops. Delvin, have you read Bone before? I have not. This is a new experience for me. Well, good, then we picked a good lesson on one. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of us has never been boned yet. It's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous, Pat. I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I was lying to you. Mm. It was obvious. Mm. Sort of lends itself to the joke. It's low-hanging fruit, guys. Yeah, that's kind I of it. I get it. I thought it was your name in college. Yeah, yeah. That low-hanging yeah. fruit. Was that low-hanging fruit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, here's our elevator pitch on why we like this series and think that people should read it. Yeah, and a little bit about kind of what's going on here. So Bone is basically the Lord of the Rings co-starring Mickey, Donald, and Goofy Smurf. It follows the Bone cousins, Phone Bone, who is brave, stalwart, and true, Phony Bone, who's a conniving con artist, and Smiley Bone, who's lovable, but not the sharpest tool in the Bone Shed. The series starts with them having been run out of Boneville due to phony shenanigans, and the three get separated after encountering what I call a Galactus cloud of locusts. The three then make their way individually into a secret valley that's populated by medieval peasants, Boneville being a somewhat more modern place. Yeah, they have like Cash and Moby Dick. Moby Dick, is a, that comes up, yeah, it's hilarious. So the three eventually meet up again after getting involved in the lives of some of the locals, most notably Thorn, a young farm girl, her tough-as-nails Grandma Ben, also known as Rose, and Lucius, the gruff, barrel-chested owner of the Barrel Haven Tavern. It sounds like a D&D setting. <laughs> also appearing is a red dragon, which has taken an especial interest in Phone Bone and Thorn. 
The group gets caught up in an epic fantasy involving dragons, magic, rat creatures, and dreams made real. At the point this issue takes place, the Bone Cousins are living at Grandma Ben's farm, having to work off a debt that they incurred by a booking scam that Phony tried to pull, involving the uh, annual Great Cow Race, it's really funny. which of course failed spectacularly, and Phone Bone and Thorn have been having disturbing dreams that have been bothering them more and more. Alright, I asked the boys to read this issue because, in my opinion, it has examples of everything that this series brings to the table. It's got the broad comedy and the action, the danger, and the mystery and magic stuff. Plus, it does a pretty good job, I thought, of kind of expositing and summing up you know, things that had come before in a way to get you right into the story, but we'll see if that worked for the guys. Lucius, Phony, and Smiley uh, pile onto a cow-drawn wagon to head into Barrelhaven Village to get supplies, while Phone stays behind at the farm to help Thorn and Grandma Ben with chores and talk about disturbing dreams they've been having. Lucius and Phony bicker while Smiley asks a never-ending series of questions to Lucius, most of which he ignores, but eventually he warms up slightly and tells them that once he did have a sweetheart long ago, but that she did not want to get married and he has remained single. And suddenly a heavy thunderstorm happens, and back at the farm, Thorn and Phonebone run into the barn and sit and recap the dreams they've been having and begin to figure out, puzzle out some of the mysteries of the plot. Lucius and the other Bones are caught in the same storm, and they are suddenly surrounded by dozens of rat creatures who say that if they surrender the small creature with the star on his chest, which is Phonebone, they will let them go. No one believes them, and a struggle ensues. Smiley smacks the cow, pulling the wagon on the rump, which causes her to panic and take off with the rat creatures in chase. They manage to outrun them, but are unable to stop themselves from careening over the side of a massive cliff. The three survive the experience, but Lucian regrets ever meeting these strange beings. And back at the farm, Grandma Ben enters the barn, looking very serious and stern and with something to say. But you will find out whatever that is if you choose to read the next issue. So, what did you guys think of this issue? Pat! This was your first time, as you said. So was this accessible? I mean, were you able to do this all right? Well, yeah, I'm glad you kind of gave an example in the beginning of uh, what was kind of happening and why you picked this one. Because when I read in it firsthand, I was like, I didn't really understand kind of what was going on in this one. I was kind of lost as far as who the three bone guys were and what they were doing and why is this guy having these dreams. So I'm like, I was hoping that you would explain like you did. Mm-hmm. Kind of what you chose, why you chose this one. So, I was going, but Maggie said that I should. So, <laughs> context is that, yes. yeah. So, I'm glad you did because just now, you know, hearing all that makes me understand a little bit more what I read because I was, I was kind of lost. Otherwise, the art in this is really good. I really enjoyed the artwork in this. I like the layouts in it as well. I kind of want to know a little bit more, a little bit. I want to wonder what was something wrong with, wrong with that grandma. Is she going to be mad or she got something going on? Is she going to do something to the bone? She's going to break some bones. Yeah, she's going to break some bones or to Thorn. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Grandma Ben is awesome. Lucius seems like he's a kind of little, you know, like you said, a kind of rough around the edges kind of guy. But uh, once you get used to underneath him. Thanks for that, Pat. Jared, what did you think about this, your first experience with bone? Well, I was kind of like Pat, a little lost. I didn't, I guess I'll just kind of cut the chase here and say this Bone might be a victim of its own success for me because I'd heard so much about it. Like I said, I got the compendium. My son's read it. Some other friends of mine have read it. My wife has read the series and I hear nothing but good things. And I leap in on this first issue and I'm just like, I don't quite get it. I get the feeling that if you read the whole book, you might get absorbed. But this first one, I was just like, 
or well, it's not the first one, it's 14. I was just like, real great art. I mean, from an artist's point of view, this guy is an incredibly good cartoonist. He's an incredibly good that, inker. That was what more I was... Sorry, that's the trouble in, in picking one for something like this, in which there's mm-hmm. not really a wasted throwaway story you can do. I mean, I could have given you the very first one, but that in and of itself really doesn't right. give you much as to what this sort of series entails. Does it tell you like how so the bones were about and how they came about? Because I'm like, well, how, what, what are these bone people? What are, what are they all about here? You, the first you find you out that? the first issue starts with them in the desert having been run out of town. And you find out a little bit about why that was. Smiley was trying to run for mayor. Or not Smiley. Uh, Phony was running for mayor and he did some sort of sleazy scam and scared him up. You don't find out much about Boneville except in passing. Basically, it just becomes clear. These are cartoon people that have wandered into a fantasy land and everybody just kind of accepts that. Mm. They're there for um, so that the story can take comic relief when necessary because it gets pretty dark at times. I mean, it's a fairy tale level dark. It can be, you know, scary like that. But then they're they're there so that you can have them do all sorts of goofy things and and stuff. But I'd say read the very first one. I'd recommend it if you get like the trade paperback. I mean, I know on Comicsology they have the first one out of Boneville, which takes it all the way almost up to the the Great Cow Race. If you get that far, that bit, the first seven or eight issues are going to pretty much give you a gauge of what sort of, if you're going to like this or not. I get a very Elf Quest vibe out of this in that it feels like mm-hmm. it's best when you dive all the way into the universe. We've had Elf Quest on Crusademus before, and that world just seemed a little more welcoming to me. This one mm-hmm. is just like more questions than answers. So um, I'm not sold on it yet, but I do think it needs to be given a fair shake be more immersed in it so interesting pick interesting pick and with that I guess Delvin Jason uh, whatever the script says <laughs> I believe it's well, me it Jason is. do you have anything less gloomy to say than these guesses <laughs> well I, I will admit I, I'm going to kind of jump on the train that Pat started and say I, I was a little confused coming into this too having really no knowledge of bone whatsoever no um, bone about it no, I have no bone about it yeah yeah I got a bone about it but I will say this about the Bone series. Like, so my youngest son, he never reads anything, but he read several trade paperbacks of the Bone comic. So that tells me that there's something in there because there are very few things I can get my son to read. And he really enjoyed that series. As a standalone issue for this one, I really admired the art. I loved the character designs. I thought the rat creatures were creepy and looked pretty cool. Uh, Mm -hmm. The action scenes were well plotted out. So there was a lot that I did like about it, although I did leave out of there with with a whole lot of questions. And I'll just wrap it up with that and give it to Delvin. All right. So I got to say words here. I read it and here's what I want. Anyone that knows Longbox Crusade knows that John and I are on Transformers Chronicles together, uh, along with Pat. And... A lot of times I find myself in the role, sometimes past like, I don't understand this. And then I kind of go into my cell and it's like, okay, because you sold it, it bumped it up one or two. And that's where I am with Bone. Like I read it and I wasn't like, oh my God, I hated it. I didn't, I didn't hate it, but nothing spurred me to love it. And so Hmm. what I want is a, a good, a cell, like a bright side on this. And so what I'm going to ask John and Maggie is what was it about the book that appealed to you? Did you start from issue one reading Bone? I did. Yep, and I did too. Why? 
Because the compendium, is, no, I think... No, he means when the issues were out. Oh, no. I that collected it when it came out. I was grabbed by it right away. I read issue one. The art just absolutely captivated me. It's, mm-hmm. it, it was such a Walt Kelly meets Walt Disney sort of thing. And then it kept getting more and more detailed. And there's this very slow burn, long buildup game. Like yeah. literally, there wasn't really an issue I could have given you that wouldn't have made you go, huh? Because every issue is giving you a little bit more of the story until it builds up a little bit after the one you're on. There's a lot of revelations that all suddenly happen. But there's a, a major dark force thing and and the girl Thorn has a secret destiny that she's finding out about in, in these dreams. Okay. And the thing that they reveal in this one about the dream circles, that becomes extremely important later. Okay. Oh, it's the ghost circles. Ghost yeah. circles, yeah. Okay. And again, I picked this one more of an example of what sort of things you could expect from the issue given the parameters if I had only one to give. I mean, there was the great cow race, which we thought about showing that, and that one, you know, that one's a really funny one, but again, reading that one without the buildup to it, you know, wouldn't have had the effect. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. There are elements of it that I did like. I thought that the two bones with the grandpa that, you know, they went over the cliff and everything, that was like a kind of crazy swashbuckling thing. I definitely did think there was intrigue between Thorn and one of the bones who stayed behind. I thought that was cool. I, I kind of thought that there may be some romantic stuff going on there, but nothing uh, actually happened. Oh, looks like something may have happened. I'm, I saw John and Maggie exchange plants. So was that? He's got a crush on her, but it's a pretty wholesome. Gotcha. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, nothing wrong with that. And <laughs> they don't bone. <laughs> so there were, there, were, there were definitely elements that I liked. And the artwork was fantastic. Looking at the artwork, I was, it's easy to be carried away just by that alone. But I definitely like my story to be there. And I see that this issue, there were elements that were going to be laid, not only from the previous 13, but for the rest of the series. So awesome. Mm-hmm. It was a quicker read as well, too. Yeah. And I start reading it, I'm like, okay, I'll start reading it. And then all of a sudden, then when it got to the action parts, it, it kind of went by pretty quick and understood it too, just by following the artwork alone which is a good tell of a good story as you can, the story can be told through the art itself. So the pacing is famously like that. It's, it's very much paced like a newspaper cartoon. It's you you, the, generally it's six panels and then a double panel on the bottom is how it mostly goes. And then he'll occasionally have a half splash or a pull. I mean, was this really being written for the trade? It's that, one big story. Okay. It, it is best consumed in the volumes that they have. I can tell you when reading it month to month, was kind of a chore because it was bi-monthly and it was habitually late. And then when he went over to Image and Mac, there was like months at a time it was okay. gone. So I constantly had to find myself going back to reread it. Figure out where he left So it it's much better. Yeah, having the big volume like this is much better to just sit and read it like a novel. Mm-hmm. Okay. I literally sat and read like the 317 pages that it is in a sitting. It's really easy to do that with the compendium. Partly, too, I think it's nice because the panels are rather large. It's not like eight panels on a page, and they're not incredibly, like, deeply detailed. So your eyes don't get lost when you look at the panels, and you're able to read it fairly quickly, but uh, still come away with the story. 
So I think when I started reading this to, to cover it for Crusade Miss, I, I got instantly taken in by phone bone because I thought he was absolutely adorable. Little did I know that there would be baby possums that would trump the cuteness of phone bone. But I just kept wanting to read more and more of it and wanted to know where the story is going. And I'm looking forward to reading more of it. Maggie, hmm. what made you want to pick up the book and read it from the start? Part of it was that I, I had heard a lot of good things about Bone. John really likes it and knew that I would probably like it too if I gave it a chance. So when we were going to pick something for Crusade Miss, we both said, you know, Bone would be a good one to do. And I had never read it before and I had wanted to. So it was a good excuse to get me to read it. And lo and behold, when I started reading it from issue one, I really liked it. It was fun to be when she was reading it because I was able to go, well, you're, I was like, I can't wait for the part where you're going to go, oh no. Yeah, and like, like two minutes later, I go, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think part of the issue here is that, like John said, this is a series definitely where every issue is leading towards one big overarching story. Yeah. So it is hard to choose a, a single issue because it's, you're going to miss a little bit of something no matter which one you read unless you start from the very first issue. And again, it's true. That first one just doesn't really give you a good idea, but at least you know where it's heading by reading one that's a little further into the story. And if it grabs your attention, going back to start from the beginning and reading it all the way through, it's definitely worth it, I think. So now I have a pretty good lead of where this goes. For instance, one of the series that I read that just kind of did that whole magnum opus storyline was Batman. Batman with Tom King wrapped up an 85 issue story. And they didn't really tell anyone at the start that's what they were doing. It, I mean, it was their sort of kind of self-contained stories within the stories a little bit, but it was telling one entire tale. And I mean, that's not the first time I've read Jonathan Hickman's stuff with the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. He did the exact same thing. So, yeah, I, I applaud uh, Jeff Smith for doing this uh, back in the 90s like that, because that's kind of some good storytelling to have that. It's asking people to invest as opposed to just that one shot. So I can appreciate that. He drew the final page before he was finished with the first issue. He did that on purpose so that he, he knew where it was going and it is paced very well to it. There is not really a throwaway issue in this. There's no issue that you read and go, well, I could have skipped that. There's always something in every issue that you go, huh. And I like that in a, in a series myself. I don't like to get bogged down in filler. If there's going to be a big overarching plot, I want to read that plot. Cool. Yeah, definitely cool to know the the backstory and all that more. Helps, definitely. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's a book for all ages, basically. And by that, I don't mean a kid's or young adult book that adults can appreciate. It is a maturely written story written for adults, but it's targeted for the children in all of us. And the art, as we said, is incredible. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to rate your interest in the series using the official Crusade Miss Candy Cane scale on a scale of 1 to 12 candy canes, 12 being extremely interested and 1 being no interest at all. How many candy canes would you rate your interest in pursuing more issues of this title? Jason, how many candy canes would you give this? Well, using my usual formula of humor, heart, spectacle, and art, I gave the humor of this a 2, the heart a 2, spectacle a 2, and the art a 2. I thought they were all pretty much above average across the board. And I used my math carry the one divide by seven. I think that's eight. And then based off the passion that you guys brought to the show, I'm going to land on nine candy canes for oh, this issue of Bone. Good. Wonderful. All right. Pat, how many candy canes would you give it? I will keep it simple and give it seven. All right. Jared, what about you? And a well, humbug, humbug to, you. to everybody. 
I just this, I like the art a lot, but I'm just not sold on the concept yet. Right now, I'm at a five. Five candy cane. Okay, fair enough. Delvin, how about you? you? You've got your thinking face on. I do, because I wanted to be sold, and I felt like I was. So I was at that mid-level on it, which is about a six. But I was sold on it enough to bump it to an eight. Because now I have, I am of the understanding that this was just a snippet out of a huge magnum opus, and it's something that I might need to get a part of. So if I see it or just get a wild hair one time, then it might be something I pick up and read. And by the time I get back to 14, then I'll have full appreciation of it. Wonderful. Let me just give one last recommendation for the series. It is truly a book for all ages. And by that, I don't mean a kids or young adult book that adults can appreciate. I I mean, it is a a book. It's a mature book that is designed to target the children in all of us. And the art, as we said, is phenomenal. And I hope everyone gives it a chance. Well, thank you, John and Maggie. We really enjoyed it. And that will wrap up day six of the 12 Days of Crusaders. We'd love to hear from you if you're familiar with any of the comics we cover here on the show. Or if you gave one of our recommendations a try, let us know what you think about it. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Or you can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you want to hear more from our special guests, where can they find you on the interwebs, John and Maggie? Uh, you can check us out. We are at the Rod Pod, where we cover IDW Transformers comics, where we cover IDW Phase 2 comics in order, and our other one called Married with Comics, where we cover pretty much whatever we want. Both of them can be found by looking at Married with Comics on your podcatcher. You can also find me, along with Delvin and Pat, and way too occasionally Jared, and some... And Maggie sometimes, and Jason was there once, where we do. <laughs> and you were there, and you, and you. And, and a pear <laughs> In a pear tree. Oh, and uh, where I, uh, Transformers Chronicles, we cover all of the Marvel Transformers comics in order. Otherwise, on Twitter, I'm at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. And if you're loving Crusademus and didn't get a chance to listen last year, or just want to hear more Crusademus, if you scroll back far enough in your feed, you can find all the episodes from Crusademus Past, 2019 or 2018, or even as far back as 2017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is under the tree here at the festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios. Until then, DJ Cristados play one of my favorite Christmas jams. This year has been a little crazy for the Andersons You may recall we had some trouble last year The Robot Council had us banished to an asteroid That hasn't undermined our holiday cheer And we know it's almost Christmas By the marks we make on the wall That's our favorite time of year Merry Christmas From Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine For our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors Merry Christmas From Chiron Beta Prime 
there's a giant metal Santa Claus Who watches over us with glowing red eyes They carry weapons and they know if you've been bad or good Not everybody's good, but everyone tries And the rocks outside the airlock Exude ammonia-scented snow It's like a winter wonderland Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine For our robot overlords Did I say overlords? I meant protectors Merry Christmas From Chiron Beta Prime Redacted. Now it's time for Christmas dinner I think the robot sent us a pie You know I love my soil and green Merry Christmas from Chiron Beta Prime Where we're working in a mine for a All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Recording and now I'm gonna go on Record mute so Jason on. can do his thing because you know we get to get this done because Delvin needs to get some sleep. You know, he'd be all about the business. These nuts, <laughs> these nuts roasting on an open fire. The good news is, Delvin, we're getting this done like faster than normal, like we're getting it all done up front. Now we just go, <laughs> just give you the outtakes right up front. All right, you ready to do this? All right, I'm muting you, I'm mute, in the dream you of an 89 degree day. John and Maggie, you do not mute. Well, then come here. You do not. Pat, you mute. Talk. So it Delvin, you mute. Here. Pat, you stay on mute. Jared, back on mute. Can I get back? Uh, is it okay when I I'm just came off of mute. Am I on mute or off mute? Did you go on off mute to tell, yeah, I'm to just tell on, Pat to go on <laughs> oh, mute? I just came off Okay, mute. I'll go off of mute. mute now. All right. I'm not on mute anymore. You know what? I'm going to go on mute. <laughs> Nobody gets a show. <laughs> You guys don't deserve a show. You don't deserve a show. I'm, I'm, going, on, I'm going off mute to tell me when to go back on mute and then go back off. I'm confused. Are we supposed to be on or off mute? Either we're on the mute or we're off the mute, Jason. What, what is it? You are on the mute. <laughs> Got it. All right, it's a mute. is on the mute. I'm not on the mute right now. You're so supposed should... to be on the mute. Oh, oh. Am I too? Okay, I'm, okay, I'm yes. on now. Oh, okay. Really close because you're echoing. When you're that far back, John and Maggie are not on a mute. Are they supposed to be? No, they can be I'm off mute because nope. they're gonna be they're gonna be talking here. Oh yeah, I'm, not, I'm gonna have the script up. If I don't know, I'm, I'm going back on mute. All right, here we go. We're gonna go in three, two, one. I came off mute just to say that you did a good job on that, but now I'm gonna go back on mute. Thank you. I'm coming off I'm, mute just to second that. Now I'm going back off of mute. Thank you. <laughs> I am going to stay off of mute and agree with the two of them that came off of mute and then went back on mute. And now I'm going to stay off of mute. I'm going to sit quietly like a well-behaved guest, except for the next part, because you have to say it. Oh, See, right. why can't you all be like Meg? <laughs> <laughs> That's how a pro does it, Pat. <laughs> I- I'm coming off mute. Thank you. I'm going back on mute now. Oh, boy. Candy cane time. 
Oh wait, no, that's my last recommend for. Well, you can take that and cut it to the yeah, just end of it. Find that timestamp yeah. and just bring it back. No, I'm sorry. We're playing timestamp. <laughs> so now I'm back here. You can't triple timestamp a timestamp. Double timestamp. I'm off mute right now. I'm going back on mute. Okay. Go on mute. <laughs> oh my god. Jared's not muted. Somebody asked me, did you ask me to come off mute? No, no, we did not. No, because you're not on mute. You need to go on mute. Got it. Okay. I'm muted now, right? You know what can hear? No, no, you're not. Do we give candy canes? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You do. Yes. Candy Candy canes are in the mail. You can't share with Clinton, though. No. No, no. Yeah, no, that's not allowed. But you keep them for yourself. I assume at some point that the Bone family becomes thugs, and then eventually they oh, get in oh. harmony. Yep. <laughs> Do they have an Uncle Charles? <laughs> I'm going to miss everybody. <laughs> <laughs> i see you at the crossroads.